Hello and welcome to the NC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build a profitable property portfolio that completely aligns with their goals. And just a little tip right now, I am going to put the members club waiting list link below because you are going to want to be on it. Hmm, a little birdie just told me we're almost ready to launch. So just as an FYI, the Members Club is opening within the next couple of months and we only open a couple of times a year. So if you want to be first on that list and being on the list brings you a couple of little surprises, I would click the link and sign up now. That's ncrealestatememembersclub.com. I will put the link below. So make sure you get on that list. Okay, today I have another incredible guest come to speak to me today. I'm so, so, so excited. She's one of my favorite people. Whenever we get the chance to meet up, we have the best conversations about different things around self-improvement, ways to make work-life balance great, and also just general amazing catch-ups. Parita Bordania, hi! Hello. <laughs> I'm really excited as well to, to be speaking to you today. Oh, me too. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know Parita, I just assume that everybody does because most people that I talk to, Parita, you're very well known within the industry. Oh. <laughs> Parita works at Lionheart and you run all the, the events, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Lionheart is the charity for RACS professionals, their life partners and children that are dependent on them. Um, so we are actually a separate organisation to the RICS um, and we support um, RICS professionals right from APC stage throughout their career and once they've retired as well. Um, so just to kind of give you a bit of background, um, for those of you that may not know the services that we actually offer and what we do, our services are bespoke to what the individual may need. Um, so people might come through to us for kind of a variety of different things. It could be anything from a period of unemployment and struggling to get back into work. It could be relationship difficulties or having caring responsibilities for a sick elderly or a disabled relative um, to struggling with stress, anxiety um, or depression. So we provide support in a variety of different ways. Um, so through our dedicated team of support officers, through um, our qualified professional counsellors and through our ever expanding portfolio of of workshops and webinars um, and these actually cover anything and everything from kind of mental health awareness to general well-being so things like resilience work-life balance and financial education for all um, age groups so we'll always find a way of how we can actually help and support people so that's just a bit about Lionheart. You guys do the most amazing things just a bit of a background I came across Lionheart uh, six years ago I think like 2014 yeah. and um, I was really struggling with my mental health overwhelm burnout and the RICS put me in contact with Lionheart and they really helped me through a series of counseling sessions and I am forever grateful for that because it turned my belief in the industry around I think. 
Yeah, um, and I actually remember actually saying that. It feels like it was such a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but I remember actually when you came through, and I remember I met you after um, you'd passed your APC. Yeah. Um, and I remember us having a conversation about really wanting to do something. And I know, Natasha, you were really passionate about um, kind of wanting to give something back to the industry, but actually also um, to kind of helping and supporting APC candidates because you understood what the journey felt like. Um, and I remember we kind of met up and we kind of had a chat and we did a kind of a mind map of potential things that we could do and actually that's when we came up with the seminar supercharge your well-being do you remember that yes yes <laughs> I was I literally we I when I found mine height it was like I just needed to do something and tell everybody about it because I'd had such a tough time with it and then I got in contact with you and I and you came back to me and I was so surprised I was like really you want to run with that <laughs> I think I'm, I'm one of those I like I'm a very passionate about you know the work that we do at Lion Heights an absolutely amazing charity and I just feel like you have to sometimes run with ideas and you have to just make it happen and and see where it takes you and and, and I think that's actually what's happened with Supercharger Wellbeing is we kind of came up with this idea I think through you know several conversations we then decided actually let's do a seminar um, you know we want people to kind of we want it to be practical and we want it to be interactive and we want people to really take things away from from it um and we just I think yeah I remember our first pilot we delivered that at RACS headquarters and we had a lot of people in the room um, <laughs> but it was absolutely amazing to see that actually so many people had attended and that, that there was actually a need um and there was more that we could do it was just um yeah it was absolutely amazing I remember that that first one we didn't know how many people were going to come we had a table <laughs> for what was it 10 people and 10 to 15 yeah <laughs> and like 32 people showed up and oh, we were God, blown away and I remember you standing in the corner and me leading it and people just keep coming in behind me as I was yeah. talking and I had no idea really what I was doing the imposter syndrome at the time was full on because I was like how on earth am I leading something on well-being and all of these people have turned up to listen but you're right it was just a response it was almost like this cry from the industry help yeah. we need something yeah no definitely and I think I um, always think back to that but I think that just kind of showed us actually that there is a need and actually since then you know that was the first of many workshops that we have um, delivered so we've you know we've delivered supercharger wellbeing now um, all over the UK and we've actually even developed the 30 minute supercharger wellbeing webinar which has just been a huge um, success as well and actually more kind of recently um, we've been doing a lot of work with our kind of corporate partners so they will host workshops internally yeah. as part of their APC induction program kind of over the two-year period so um, you know I'm so grateful that you actually contacted Lionheart that you really wanted to do something because it's just been the start of an, an absolute incredible journey. Um, we've actually developed two further um, workshops as part of the APC series. So we've got Supercharge Your Wellbeing. Um, and then secondly, we've got Boosting Your Resilience. Mm -hmm. um, so I think resilience can, is, is such like a buzzword and um, we're, we're just kind of expected to have it. But the, the seminar actually goes through what is it, how, how um, do you get resilient and um, why it helps you. So it's all about kind of what is stress, how can that affect you and what can you do about it? So um, that's the second one we developed. And then the third one, which was developed with you um, as well, Natasha, was building your confidence. Yeah. Um, so I think confidence 
you know, is a learned behavior. It's a muscle that needs kind of, you know, regularly being exercised and, um, you know, you need to be able to kind of be flexible with that. But in the workshop, you know, we kind of, it's practical ways of how you can change, take charge and develop your confidence. And I think it's um, a skill that really helps, you know, not just during your APC, but when you're going to sit your kind of APC assessment, because that can be a, a really difficult time for people, I think. Yeah, well, I, I think the one thing that I have, notice that holds people back is that confidence and you're right it's a muscle because there's no way that we're born with this ridiculous con confidence to stand up and tell people about what we do I yeah I, I find that that's been that's been one of the things that I always struggled with I still sometimes to a certain extent I'm like yeah you know I just do these things and kind of get on with it and walk on never never really celebrate what I am and like shout about it. And I think everybody yeah. is like that. And being able to just stand up and tell people, and it doesn't matter if there's one person in a room, it doesn't matter if there's hundreds of people in the room and say what you've got to say and actually be proud of yourself and have that belief in yourself that you are just as good, if not better than everybody else is something yeah. that needs to be shared, right? No, I, I definitely agree. And I know that we've had absolutely amazing feedback. Even when you were um, in the UK delivering the sessions, you had a lot of people kind of follow up with you after as well, didn't you? Yeah, people were coming yeah. to me and saying, "I." sometimes they say to me, I can't believe that you struggle with confidence. And I definitely do. Um, I put out, an, I actually put out a podcast last week that I did not want to go out. I had sleepless nights about it because I was. it was about how my rage within the industry and sometimes I get really angry over things and don't know how to deal with it. And so I just did a podcast about that and I was bricking it and then it went out and actually nobody said anything. And I thought even, I don't know, people were going to be like, how do you how can you possibly think that you're a leader if you feel this angry and you can't control yourself? And um, I... I don't know, that was imposter syndrome. And that was also me doubting the fact that I had a valid opinion on something. I don't normally get that worked up about things. I'm a pretty placid person when I, I guess my public persona is very much more placid because I I think about things and very considered in the way that I feel things. It doesn't mean that behind closed doors, I'm not like raging sometimes. But so yeah. people come to me and they say, well, how do you do it? And I kind of have to fake it sometimes until other, I believe it. And I don't yeah. really care whether other people believe it. I have to believe that I'm confident. Actually, yeah. And that reminds me um, of, a, of a quote that I read earlier today by Oprah Winfrey, which is, um, you become what you believe. You are where you are today in your life based on everything that you've believed. So if you believe that you can do that, then you you can you can do anything actually yes yeah yeah oh I love that <laughs> See, I'll have to send you that <laughs> Parita always comes out with the best things we're having these conversations she's already armed <laughs> with these quotes yeah it, it's <laughs> just weird how it happens <laughs> <laughs> yes and I think and I think confidence is also quite a big part of mental health because you do have to be you have to find some confidence to stand up and say hey I need help 
Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's important that actually we actually kind of go through what we mean by mental health, because I think yeah. that can mean different things to different people. So yeah. often um, we can hear the term mental health and our associated thoughts can be negative. So, and they really shouldn't be. Um, we all need to start thinking about mental health differently. It's it's something that we all have just like our physical health. And in the same way that physical health can change from day to day, so can our mental health. So um, to gain a better understanding of mental health, I think we should think of it as a continuum and appreciate it's something that we're going to move along throughout our lives, depending on what's going on for us. Um, so mental health actually covers our emotional, psychological and social well-being and it affects how we think feel and act um, it can determine how we might manage stress how we might you know make decisions how we relate to people um, so I think I mean if I was to ask you if you were on the positive end of the um, continuum of mental health you know what are some of the things that you might be able to feel or, or, or that you might be able to do so you're asking me that question yeah so yeah. if I so today I'm having a real positive mental health day yesterday I wasn't it's like almost flipped the switch o overnight so today I'm feeling good about everything I'm I'm like yeah I turn up I do my podcast I would I I show up as me ready and feeling good in what I'm doing I did a lecture yeah. this morning at 7am and I was happy about that and I'd already been to the gym and then I went out dog walking with one of my friends. I came back, I was having a good conversation with uh, one of my fellow lecturers and I was giving him advice. He was giving me advice. I would, got through my emails really quickly. I was just decision-making and I was able to yeah. do things. Whereas yeah. yesterday morning, I'd woken up just feeling grumpy, annoyed. Um, and I was... All I had to do yesterday, really, my first job of the day was to make sure a decorator was going to go to one of my flats and paint a door. And you have no idea how tough I'd made it for myself. I'd literally, all I needed to do was send a text message and tell him what paint colour to take with him. And, <laughs> and I literally, you have no idea, I'd, I'd typed to my my mom about how this decorator couldn't done any so I'd whatsapp to her and be like this decorator can't go and get his paint I'd said to Chris I wish I was back in the UK so I could sort this out right now I'd just do it in an hour I'd led on the sofa and got fed up about it and then I was like what on earth are you doing right now why are you in this mood I was like just text the guy tell him where to get the paint from you could even phone the paint paint the painter and decorator and say do you have this color paint make sure it's there and lo and behold this morning I had a text message that back done we'll be there 7 a.m monday morning I mean, the difference in 24 hours. I think, I think that's it. So you've just um, kind of briefly touched on. So when you're kind of feeling um, generally good, you're you've generally feeling content. So that's yeah. how you're feeling today. So that's what kind of like the positive end of the kind of continuum can feel like where, you know, you're able to express a range of emotions. You're able to build and maintain positive relationships, um, you know, coping with everyday stresses and challenges that, that might come your way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just, you know, you generally kind of feeling good um, and I think when we look on the other end of the spectrum and again this will be different for different people um, it will be based on you know kind of how things are going for you but it might be that you know you, you're no longer able to enjoy the things that you once did um, you might feel um, withdrawn or detached um, or you can't think clearly um, mm -hmm. you know feeling hopeless or having a loss of energy and, and motivation so it's you know we need to kind of really 
um, work on and think about actually what what does that look like for us you know when we're having a generally a really good day how, you know how do we feel and when we're not feeling so great how how are we feeling and I know that we're going to be discussing a little bit more later on about ways of how we can actually boost our mental health and how can we kind of work on that um but yeah I thought it was quite important um you know for the listeners listeners to really understand what we mean by mental health and and to remember actually everybody has mental health mm-hmm. you know it's just our kind of it's just the way that we think and the way that we feel and there is absolutely no um there really shouldn't be no stigma around that no so, um you know I know that we've, I mean, we've all heard of the stat, you know, saying that one in four people will experience poor mental health um, in a year. And about two thirds of people with mental health problems um, actually believe that long hours, unrealistic workloads or bad management have either caused or kind of worsened their condition. Um, And I know when we did our Lionheart survey, actually, um, a lot of the reasons that came up were the long hours, the unrealistic workloads, um, you know, things being swept under the rug um, and not being spoken about. So, you know, it is really important that we have conversations around mental health. You know, what does that actually mean and what does that kind of look like? Um, I just want to really quickly kind of go through um, kind of three questions. And I just want you to you know, guess what the answer might be, because okay. um, I know that when I kind of had a look at this, I was kind of like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, so, you know, I'm gonna, so patients with depression and anxiety make up approximately what percentage of GP appointments? Do you think it's 25 percent, 52 percent or 70 percent? 52 percent. OK, so it's actually 70 percent. Um so yeah depression and anxiety make up approximately 70 percent of gp appointments do you know why i'm surprised about that just just putting it out there is because i know like my when i've had really bad anxiety i also worry about the fact that nothing that i shouldn't be being like that so i wouldn't ever go to wouldn't have ever gone and sought advice because i'm like well it's not that important you know based on other people are dying so for yeah. for me, my anxiety was that, my gosh, I'm worrying and things are going around in my head and I get very obsessive, um, compulsive thoughts. But I would always then caveat that with the, well, I'm not dying, so why would I go to the doctors? So that yeah. stat, in it's, a way, is, yeah. is good because people are at least going to get it diagnosed. My gosh, yeah. I, I wonder how that's I- changed. I think the other thing to remember is is, is when you have um, poor mental health or mental ill health, there can be other things that kind of um, happen as a result of it. And so sometimes when things kind of get really bad, you know, it's, it's like you really do need to go. Um, the second question that I wanted to ask was what proportion of people with mental health problems experience stigma? Um, 90%, 10% or 50%? Fifty percent, but again, because I don't know that people would tell anybody. Like, do you know the shame? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually ninety percent, which is really shocking as well. But um, a time to change uh, research shows that actually up to ninety percent with mental health problems experience some form of stigma. So whether that is from friends and family, at work. Um, in education or even during treatment, um, it's one of the main reasons people feel like they're unable to talk about their mental health. Um, they just would rather 
not tell other people really perhaps not knowing the kind of response that they're going to get and especially you know now you know the kind of sayings that you hear is oh just man up just deal with it or oh just get on with it or you know you, you sometimes think that you're just going to sound silly even if you did mention it to people mm-hmm. I, I know that one I know that one I've yeah. of, I've often said that in times when I am feeling the worst I've probably achieved a lot because rather than getting it out by telling people I go hell to leather working new projects this that and the other to try and distract my brain so that I don't have to tell everybody because again it's the thing of well it's not as bad as other people so why would I talk about it but actually talking about it is where you, you but you have to be in a safe space to talk about it you couldn't talk about it with everybody and I've I've certainly no. experienced it in um in the property industry I remember um years ago and this is a story from years ago and probably one of the reasons why I allowed myself to get so near to burnout was one of my clients um for a massive estate and I went I'm not going to go into details of who and what but um she was signed off with um, stress um, for a couple of months. And you'd go to these meetings, these boardroom meetings, and they'd all be laughing about it, the fact that she'd gone to buy shoes or something. I was like, what? She'd probably be ill. But it's, you know, as a young surveyor, I was in a, and I, I must admit, I didn't speak out as much when I was younger as I, I do now because I'd be in a room of all these important looking men who'd flown in because it was an international trust and they would they would almost be ripping that person to shreds and then you must the guilt that you must then feel when you come back to work. My yeah. gosh, like I so I've I've seen it firsthand and it's terrible, but it also comes from the fact that people are then like, well, You've been signed off, so why do I pick up your? Why do I have to pick up your work? Yeah, I think a lot of that is changing. Um, I've kind of noticed that in the last couple of years, since we've been doing a lot of work with kind of our corporate partners, um, where a lot of them are kind of taking this, you know, really seriously. Um, it was, I think, it was just the other week where we had one of our. Um, one of our potential corporate partners where they had the mental health awareness and managing mental health workshop delivered and that was with their managing director um three of their regional directors and then all their area managers and it was just absolutely amazing and absolutely it was just so great to see the conversations in that room and and all of them actually taking that seriously about how can they better support their staff and their employees um so i think yeah i think the last couple of years yeah there's a lot of more work being done a lot more firms and organizations are focusing around kind of you know their well-being strategy um and really kind of looking ways of how can they how can they actually apply that and what can they do so um yeah I think still we've still got a lot of work to do but there's definitely been definitely been some change so um, just to segue a couple of weeks ago I had um Alex Pang who is a rest researcher who came on the podcast and he was talking to me about some of the work that he was doing in Silicon Valley and he's working with um, a big corporate firms uh, to reduce the working day to six hours four days a week do you think we'll ever get there with the property industry <laughs> don't know about that <laughs> um, exactly I, ideal, but. <laughs> I mean he, he's again and actually after this 
we can switch contact details because he is looking for people in the in the property industry to do that with. But how amazing if we start moving towards different ways of working as well, because everybody that I talk to in the industry who's still very much embroiled in the corporate in the corporate side of things, it's always like, I am just overwhelmed with the amount that I've got going on right now. It never stops. It's just emails flying left, right and center. It's paperwork here, then everywhere. And we've got a lot of paperwork to fill in as surveyors. So yeah, I would be so interested to see how this starts changing people's working patterns. And I know we've got yeah. a way to come because it doesn't, it doesn't happen instantly. I would always like to click my fingers and things happen instantly. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think especially nowadays as well I mean firms are really looking at what benefits that they can offer to um, employees especially with the younger generation coming in because you know it's not just about the job title and the salary that they're concerned with they want to know what are they going to be you know what more are they going to be getting what about kind of working from home or flexible working Mm -hmm. it's just not enough now to kind of offer a salary Um, so I feel like yeah there's, there's a there's a lot um that potentially may change it might be slow progress yeah um, I don't know how quick but yeah I think um a lot of organizations are looking into different kind of benefits and different things that they can offer to their employees and so you know it's not just about offering it but it, it there's there's so many benefits that have kind of been shown up in research in terms of productivity level and performance and you know all of these things are so vital in a working environment yeah I agree um but yeah, so the the just moving on to the last question, um, which was, how long do the majority of people with a mental health problem wait before telling their closest family and friends about it? Is it over a year, two months, or seven months? Definitely over a year. Yeah, you got that one right. <laughs> so um, yeah, sixty percent of people um, with a mental health problem wait over a year to tell the people. Um, that are actually most closest to them and I think you know that these were just to kind of give um give you a flavor of come of some of the stats out there and, and I know know that there's so many other common ones where we know that you know 70 million workdays are lost annually due to mental health mm-hmm. um 15% of, of people at work have symptoms of an existing mental health condition and I know that a lot of people will use work as a way to kind of continue and to carry on and to yeah. keep going but it is something because that we do need to focus on not just as as the property industry but you know beneath our job titles and how much money we earn and our relationship status we are people mm-hmm. and mental health is something that affects everyone not just a particular industry which is one of the main reasons why we definitely need to start focusing on mental health and, and well-being and what we can actually do to kind of help people and support people with that I agree I agree and it's also such a hard thing to articulate yeah I'm yeah. I'm not good at explaining how I feel And sometimes I'm like, well, it's like the red mist of doom just starts settling in and I can feel it closing in and there's not really too much that I can do about it at the time until, I I don't know, I've I've completely changed my situation. But it took a very long time to be able to tell people about that. And also what I've realised is that people who have panic attacks, for example, have panic attacks in very different ways. So I used to, as a teenager, have panic attacks, which I realized now were panic attacks. But at the time, I just thought I was having a heart attack. Um, Whereas uh, whereas other people experience that with, uh, you know, they get all red 
and you, you can see yeah. you can see the redness coming up. I know that some people um, kind of double over. Some people even go as far as passing out. I've seen some people pass out. I've heard some people pass out from it, and it feels very differently because people get pins and needles or um they feel like they're they just cannot breathe anymore which was a symptom of mine and um and I think that's the other thing is that it's so hard to describe yeah I think yeah it's really important like you said everyone's um version of when if if they have a panic attack is going to be very different so you know, we know, you know, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's um, different types of eating disorders and different OCDs. There's just so many kind of a variety of different um, mental ill health out there. And the versions of what people might experience will be very, very different. But Mm -hmm. what the key thing is, is actually kind of understanding what your own symptoms are and how you can manage those better. And I think the second is that's about yourself. But then secondly, understanding and knowing that everyone else will deal with things very differently to you and and not to actually compare people yeah so I think you know that's really kind of important and so when you know when we think about the mind the mind is a muscle that we use every single day um, you know to be productive at work to be effective at home to be creative in our businesses or whatever it might be that we're actually doing and so just as the body needs to eat, exercise and be engaged to get stronger, so does our mind. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, talking about kind of like the tips on working on well-being and mental health, you don't have to be struggling with anxiety or stress or pressure to focus on boosting your mental health, just as we don't need a physical challenge to go to the gym. You know, you don't have to have a mental challenge to actually go to the mind gym. So, you know, I think being proactive about our mental health is the best decision that we can make. And the truth is stress is something that none of us can avoid. We will Mm -hmm. all experience stress at different levels, at different times throughout our life. You know, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's family challenges, um, you know, whether it's finances, it's something that we all go through. So I think the most important thing to do is firstly, you need to kind of have and develop self-compassion so you know think about how you would talk to a good friend or someone that you really love and that you care about if they are going through a difficult time or if they're just generally struggling what would you say to them you know what's the language that you might use what's the tone of your voice mm-hmm. you know we would be very kind of patient and you know empathetic and understanding right yeah and I think you have to think about you know when you're having a bad day or when you're struggling how do you talk to yourself is it positive is it negative negative? and I think a lot of research just show that generally um, we are so much more critical to ourselves. Um, so I think the first thing to do is actually to remember to treat yourself as you would treat a good friend or someone that you love and that you care about. Um, I think another important kind of point that I want to make is about kind of instant gratification so you know, information, entertainment and communication is just like a click away all day, every day, you know, with a touch of the button, we are connected to anything that we could possibly want, you know, a selection of movies on Netflix, um, a library of books on our tablet, a phone call, text message. And this powerful link fuels our need for instant gratification and it's kind of defined our culture. And so we feel like our solutions have to be quick and they have to be instant. But actually this isn't the case at all. You know, there isn't a magic formula, but instead it's consistent small steps that we have to take um, to look after our well-being. Um, And you have to ask yourself what works for you. You know, is it playing sports? Is it reading? Is it spending time with um, family and friends? Um, 
So there's actually the 10 key steps um, to happier living, which have been developed by um, a charity called Action for Happiness and a positive psychologist called Vanessa King. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they are widely shared now um, by Mind, by you know um, Mental Health Rethink. So it's the 10 key steps are actually based on a review from latest research from psychology and related fields. So everyone's path um, to happiness and well-being is different. But evidence actually suggests um, the the 10 key steps have consistently have a positive impact on people's well-being um so it's almost like i would say it's a menu that you can pick and choose mm-hmm. so it's almost like okay what is going to work from for me fr- from these 10 things so the first five um which people may have heard about so that it's been developed um it's known as the five ways to well-being and it's been developed by nef um and the first five key steps are giving and doing things for other people mm-hmm. Secondly, relating and connecting with people. Thirdly, exercise and taking care of your body. Um, The fourth one is awareness and living life mindfully. And the fifth one is trying out and learning new things. So all of these five things is about how we interact with the outside world in our kind of daily activities. And then you've got the second five. So they come from um, inside us. They depend on our attitudes to life. So we've got directions and, you know, having goals to look forward to. We've got resilience and finding ways to bounce back. Um, We've got emotions, looking for what's good, Um, acceptance, being comfortable with who you are. And the last one is meaning, being a part of something bigger. So let's say, for for example, I I look at um, these 10 key steps and I think, I want to focus on emotions and looking for what's good. There are different actions that you can do that will help you with that. So um, if I was to ask you, um, Natasha, how many thoughts do you think that we have averagely in a day? Oh, my gosh. I have (laughs) millions. (laughs) And it doesn't stop when I go to sleep because I dream about it all as well. I have no idea. Me too. Me too. (laughs) I have a lot, yeah. (laughs) It's really weird, yeah. Because what um, I said to my friend, oh, I just have so many dreams, and she said that she doesn't have any dreams at all. Oh, and I found it really weird. I said, "What?" I was like, "I have so many dreams Me in one too. night, like every day." <laughs> and I can remember <laughs> what it was about as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so strange. Um, but that is a lot to do with our kind of subconscious mind. But research shows that generally, about averagely, so it could be more or less based on people, but we have about 70,000 thoughts a day and 80% of our thoughts are negative. So research shows that when we actually focus on things that we're grateful for, this actually boosts our well-being. So if I, for example, wanted to focus on emotions and I want to look for what's good because I um, I perhaps am feeling a lot more negative or all my thoughts just aren't as positive as I would want them to be, one of the things that I could do what is actually that I'm going to be sharing later on is, you know, you could keep a gratitude journal. So writing down three things that you're grateful for every single day and why can actually boost our well-being because we're focusing no matter what's going on in our lives, but we're choosing to consciously focus on the things that are going well for us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's just an example. It might be that you might want to um, exercise and take care of your body and that doesn't necessarily mean you need to go out and sign up to a marathon but it might mean you know getting off um if you get in a tube getting off a stop earlier to kind of make that walk or going for a walk um during lunchtime or you're you know getting some fresh air so it's just about choosing different things that you can actually do yeah um so i think just to kind of um summarize i would say you have to work out what works for you and that comes with awareness so Um, I know there's a lot of information out there about mindfulness. So mindfulness is a way of um, 
paying attention to the present moment. So you, you know, you can use techniques mm -hmm. like meditation, breathing, yoga, and it helps us become more aware of our thoughts and feelings so that instead of being overwhelmed by them, we're able to manage it better. And so I think through awareness, you'll know what your body needs, whether that is to rest, whether that's to eat better, whether you need to spend time with other people. So firstly, figure out what it is that works for you. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, you know, we all know how our physical health is linked to our mental health. So regular exercise can boost your self-esteem. It can help you concentrate, sleep and feel better. Um, like I said earlier in the earlier example as well, you know, it, it's just depends on what works for you. So whether it's the sports that you enjoy, whether it's, you know, getting out and walking for 15 minutes, just do whatever works for you. And I think thirdly you have to remember that no one is superhuman like we all get tired we all get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and things don't always go to plan and so if things are getting too much and you feel like you need to speak to someone then to actually ask for support when it's needed and that actually that's not a negative things it means that you have the awareness to understand what your body needs what your mind needs and so by getting the support you're able um to kind of really look after yourself so much more better yeah i so, agree with that yeah. So let's I think before we get on to where to go, let's yeah. have let's have a talk about our own our own self practice for well being and helping our yeah. mental health. So I'll go I'll ask you. What do you do? Oh Rachel? I was gonna ask you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I've just been talking for ages. Yeah, no. You go first and I'll okay. chime in as normal. Um, so one of the things, um, so I've, you know, had my own experiences. So yeah. um, back in 2013, I personally did experience depression, anxiety um, mm. for, you know, for, for a number of reasons, which, which don't really matter. But at the time, I didn't actually understand what mental health was. I didn't know what it meant to look after yourself. Um, and so during my journey since then um you know I had a lot of questions about life I did a lot of research I went to different seminars I you know I kind of wanted answers for all these questions that I had and then kind of made my own menu of things that really worked for me so um one of the things that I do is I make myself a priority now I know people might say well that's easier said than done but I feel like you have a choice mm -hmm. you have a choice every single day and so I make myself a priority and I used to think that it would be selfish if I did that but actually I realized that if I don't look after myself then I'm not going to be able to give to the other areas of my life so whether that's my work um you know something that I'm really passionate about something that I absolutely love whether it's relationships whether it's you know friends and family volunteering and so when you make yourself a priority and when you just listen to your body you're able to kind of give to other areas so that's definitely my first thing um the second one I would say is um I generally have a very busy lifestyle and I used to say yes to everyone mm. and to everything all the time but I actually schedule in me time now um and I, I know that might sound silly but if in a week I know I've got x y and z going on and uh, there's only one evening that is free I will make sure that I schedule in time for myself and I will do whatever it is that I want to do so whether that is going to be watching a film on Netflix whether that is spending time with my family at home and lounging around um I will do whatever it needs. So if somebody says to me, are you free that evening? And if I've got me time scheduled in, I will say no to that person. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think scheduling, having that time to yourself is so vital. It's so important. Um, thirdly, I, um, 
I used to keep a gratitude diary, but it's now become a way of living and a way of life for me. Um, so I'm not someone to sit there to journal and to write, but um, there, there was a lot of things that I was seeing around, you know, if you record three things that you're grateful for every single day and why you're grateful for those, it will kind of boost your well-being and boost your kind of happiness. Um, so I thought I'll give it a try because I don't know, you know, how real this might be. Um, so I did it for about three months. So some days I would struggle to write something and then some days it would be a lot easier. But one of the things that I realized and noticed during that period was um, the things that I was the most grateful for wasn't the big things. It was the small things that we perhaps take for granted. So, you know, having running water, having a warm bed to sleep in when it was like the winter nights thinking I could never survive out there in the cold and you then start becoming much more grateful for those small things and so um I would definitely say that actually changed my way of thinking and being because although I don't do that anymore it's it's become a natural way to think and and to be um there is actually a really good book called the gratitude diaries by Janice Kaplan so um it's based on research it's based on real life so um I thought it was a really really good read if anyone is interested in in reading that um the third thing that I do is, is I reflect um and which reminds me, I'm going to give you a share another quote by Steve Jobs. Um, and I've always, always remembered this ever since I read the quote. And he says, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I do what I'm about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Mm. So we often have you know, all these to-do lists that we have to do, but what about what kind of person that you want to be? You know, what are your values? What are your beliefs? What about when things have gone wrong? You know, how have you managed those situations? How, you know, what have you learned from it? So I think reflection is actually um, a really good thing to do. Um, A lot of people will journal as well um, and reflect that way. So it's just finding a way that will work for you. Um, And the fourth thing I would say is, giving back is something that I'm really passionate about, um, something that I really believe in. So, you know, I'm really lucky that at Lionheart, the work that we do really fits in with my values and and my beliefs. Um, And outside of work, I also have a a community group called Be Inspired. So um, the aim of it is really to kind of bring people together um, to discuss ways of living a meaningful and fulfilling life. So the topics are predominantly based around well-being and happiness. Um, and it takes place on yeah the first Wednesday of every month. So it's, that's a really big part of my life. Um, there's other kind of uh, volunteering stuff that I do as well. So being able to kind of help other people um, is really important. And actually caring about other people's happiness is mm-hmm. a important ingredient for our own. And actually... Um, a lot of scientific studies have shown that people who give or help others have been shown to be more satisfied with their lives. They have a greater sense of meaning and feel much more competent. So, yeah. you know, giving doesn't have to be necessarily about money or things. It can be being kind. It can be, you know, giving people the gift of time, um, helping people in good times and bad and just kind of making it part of your routine. So um, that has um, definitely kind of been a big part of kind of my well-being journey. And I think lastly, actually, is to remember that. Um, everything is temporary nothing is permanent and I think I see that as something empowering which provides a sense of courage to let go of everything that we allow to hold us back from living the life that we're meant to live so you know getting outside of your comfort zone and embracing the challenges of change and growth and so when you think back to maybe things that have happened in the past things that have been difficult things that have been challenging 
you got through those and you have to remember that. And when you fast forward a few years on, you you're, the way that you feel about it is very different to the way you might have felt about it at the time that it happened. And so when I go through something difficult, or something challenging I just say to myself this is this is challenging and this is difficult for me right now but I know that I'm going to learn a lot from it but I also know that this is not going to last forever and I will get past this yeah so yeah I think that's it's really important um to actually remember that so yeah I would say you know make yourself a priority um schedule me time in um I would say gratitude is is um a huge thing reflect and um yeah just remind yourself that's that nothing is actually permanent everything passes the good the bad everything so yeah. you'll you'll get through things um yeah yeah what about you what would you say oh my well-being practice has changed so much over the years i have a very concrete morning routine going on that I've been in development over the last 12 months I'm really happy with because it means that I feel good for the whole day in fact I amazingly have stopped feeling tired I, I okay <laughs> so this what's the secret <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've now um so I, I will get up somewhere between 6 and 6.30 and go to the gym just for half an hour to 40 minutes. I don't do any more than that anymore. When I when I was feeling overwhelmed and burnt out, I was going like for an hour to two hours a day. No more. I'm not doing wow. that. Um, that. And for a long time, I really struggled with the guilt of that, that I wasn't as um, slim or as skinny as I was when I was doing two hours of workout a day. And, and actually, I realized over the last couple of months that I'm far happier now with how I look than I ever was back then because I was always aiming for this I, I don't know this the shrink like sh I don't know I was aiming to be really skinny and what have you I didn't look healthy I don't think and looking yeah. back at the pictures I've, I far prefer how I feel now in my 30 year old skin than I do in my did in my like 24 25 year old skin that's for sure so just 30 minutes it's like that buzz to get you out of bed and awake ready for the day and then yeah. I usually do half an hour or so of emails just to check I don't normally reply at that time in the morning but it gives me something to think about and then I take some of my dog out for a walk for an hour and I'm kind of mulling over what's in my emails and um, maybe if I if I don't have anything that's that interesting I'll listen to a podcast but I just like kind of just allow everything to sink in go for a nice walk and then come back and then start my day and feel pretty good about everything that's going on and by that point I've like exercised enough that I'm just like happily happily like tired not wound up about anything and that's really changed my mornings I I don't just jump out of bed and do start yeah. work so that's been really nice and I go to bed now 10 o'clock I'll make sure I'm in bed if I'm not tired I'll read but I'm there's no more real screen time the only time that changes is if we are out for a night or what have you but that I, I'm like you, I protect that now. I would far rather yeah. meet up with someone earlier than I would be saying, oh, I'll meet up with you at eight and then eight rolls around and then we're out until 12. I'd rather meet up with people the minute they finish work. So like five, six o'clock. Yeah, I do that, yeah. And then I'm at home in bed and I've protected that time. So I'm always having at least eight, eight and a half hours sleep a night minimum. And I need that. Um, I need that too. <laughs> I can't. I cannot like function. And even if I don't sleep straight away, sometimes I don't. Most of the time I do. I tend to just 
I, I don't get worked up about it because I'm in bed and resting. So it doesn't bother me the way it used to when I'd be out and then I'd get home and it'd be like midnight and I'd have to be back up at 6am. I don't worry about it. I don't rush that time anymore. And that's really changed things around for me. The second thing that I've learned to do is um, I've, I am an overachiever. I've always, I've kind of been developing that over the years. But when I've got all of these goals that I want to achieve, I achieve nothing. So now I, what I do is I write, I'm always writing down my goals and what I want to achieve and how I want that to look. But there's always one significant one that I work on. And if other things come up, fabulous, I'll go with it. I'll say yes to opportunities if it fits in with what I'm doing right now. But there's always that one priority goal. And at the moment, um, I've just been working on changing platforms for the Members Club and we're going to launch the Members Club 2.0. And that's been really important. I've brought a mem uh, mentor on who's been helping me with that. I've got all my team around that. And for me, that's like the main aim. Now, there's other things I desperately wanted to do this year. I was going to try and write a book and I was going to um, try and continue investing in property in the UK and this, that and the other. Um, but actually, no, my one work goal it really is is to get this launch done incredibly well and say actually hey i have done every single thing i could possibly do to get this off the ground and to make it as good as possible for my clients because if yeah. i didn't feel that way then i'd feel like i was opening it up and letting people down but i'm incredibly proud of what what we're launching so from that point of view that's that's really helped just everything it doesn't mean that I can't come back to the other goals. And, and once we've opened and that's underway, I, I will then focus on something else until we have our next launch. Um, but for now, for me, I have to aim on that. Otherwise, nothing will get done. So that's something I've really, really focused on. And then number three is that I've had to get okay with the fact that I work from home on my own. And sometimes during the day, if I need to take an hour out just to read a book, or yeah. to do something else that's that's fine like it you know come four or five o'clock if I've been working all day I'm allowed to take a break and just go and you know do something or if I need to change locations that's absolutely fine I don't berate myself for that anymore that I need to just stop and that yeah. for me has been um being that's being kind to myself and giving my myself permission to have time off and that for me is all it takes and I just I either lie out on the patio and read a book or in bed and reading a book or I watch something on Netflix or I'll text my friends and say hey do you want to come over I really like having people over to my house at the moment love it come and have a glass of wine with me or um, I go to theirs and then I've always carried a journal or three <laughs> got so many journals but they're for different things so I've got a journal for work I've got a journal for my mentorship I've got a journal that I keep by my bed where if I've got any bad thoughts I just write them down and I kind of just leave them there and that's yeah. also part of my well-being practice is that sometimes I just need to get anything out and it's not perfect it's not anything but this is how I'm feeling and I I write that down um, and that's really how my well-being practice works at the moment and it's really it's quite it's it's satisfying because it works really well for me on my routine and it's not the what I thought well-being practices look like I don't meditate um occasionally I do 
a bit of yoga, but I just do a bit of yin yoga. I'm not, I don't flow through this ridiculous, like these moves. <laughs> it's just not me anymore. I'd rather just yeah. lie on my mat and stare at the sky. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> if I've got time to do that, that's what I want to do. And then I'll stretch, you know, deep stretch with my feet up against the wall or something. That is, that is about as far as it goes. Um, yeah. And I, I, I have a workout app that gives me these short workouts and these 20 minute yoga routines. And for me, that is just, uh, that is like such permission to not have to keep doing things like for hours at a time. I don't know about you, but I, if I think I'm doing something, I think I'm doing it wrong if I've not spent loads of time on it. Whereas actually you can get a pretty good workout and in 30 minutes be sweaty and just gross and think, yeah. wow, look what I've just done. So it's been a complete mindset change. That's, that's for sure. Um, yeah. So that's that's my well-being practice. And I've also stopped caring so much about what I eat and what I drink. And that might sound crazy, but actually the fact that I, I don't watch it anymore, I just eat just as healthily as I did before, just maybe yeah. with a few more cookies. <laughs> but it just yeah. doesn't make any difference. So I, yeah. I've, given my, I've let myself off the hook. It doesn't matter. Um, I feel so much better for it. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about actually giving yourself permission. Yeah. And that it's okay. Yeah. And that it's not going to be the end of the world. So, oh, yeah. Going back to you, nothing's, going back to your comment about nothing, not nothing's permanent. Everything changes. So it's, it's fine to just go with the flow sometimes and not, not particularly worry about things and, um, I do sweat the small stuff and I shouldn't, but that's one thing I do do, which is why I journal. I sometimes have to get it out. Whereas the big stuff yeah. I'm normally pretty quite calm about. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I, I, I enjoy my wellbeing practice actually that I, I want to do it. I want to get up and go to the gym. It's not, it's not, I'm not forcing myself and actually yeah. I don't have an alarm anymore. I get up naturally, yeah. which is nice. That is. And I think, you know, like you said, your well-being practice has changed. I think that's the important thing to remember is that, you know, just because you might be doing X, Y and Z right now that you are going to be having to do that for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You change it as life goes on and you'll find that you might need to change certain things or that you prefer other things. And that's perfectly OK. So, again, it's just about like kind of listening to yourself, listening to your body. What do you need right now? and What works for you? Yeah. And just knowing that it's going to be different for everybody and it will be different for you at different times in your life as well. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So final question to finish up this podcast. What can you do if your mental health deteriorates or you've listened to this podcast and you're thinking, oh, wow, I'm feeling kind of my well-being's off track right now. What can you do? So I think um, for those listeners who are RICS professionals or APC candidates, um, you have Lionheart available. You know, it's your charity um, you can get in contact with us um, by phone, by email, um, and we will support you. We will find ways to cope. Um, and there's so many different ways that we can help. For those people that um, that are not RSCS professionals, you might want to find out what your benefits are through work. So um, I know that a lot of organizations will have an employee assistant program in place, mm-hmm. which offer very similar services to Lionheart. There's just a few differences. But if you use that service your firm will not know they'll just know that one person or two people or five people have used the service so don't be afraid to take advantages um take advantage of the benefits that your company that your organization offer Mm -hmm. um 
and I know and I could understand that actually picking up the phone and talking to someone can be so difficult I remember um you know, when I had when I, I went to the doctors eventually um, back in 2013, and I had no idea what I wanted to say. I didn't even know what I was going for. Um, but I went with a family member. Sometimes people can, you know, you can write things down and go to see your GP and say, just hand the piece of paper over to them if you're if you're not sure how you want to kind of get that across. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I had to pick up the phone, actually, and I, I personally did have counselling, which was really helpful. Mm. But it took me a month to even call that number. Yeah. Because I was just like, oh, I don't know what am I going to say? Um, why do I need to call it? But I just want to assure people that actually, if you if you really need support, um, don't be afraid, don't be embarrassed, because there is actually so much support out there. So sometimes talking to a family member or a good friend helps. Um, yeah. And sometimes actually telling them, you know, we people as people we want to provide solutions for people so and that's naturally what we want to do but if you tell the person what you need even if you think that it's common sense so sometimes when I'm speaking to my sister um and I I just want to get something off my chest I'll say to her I just don't I just want I just need you to listen to me I don't need you to kind of give advice or tell me what to do yeah and then she'll laugh because she'll always have something to say and she's like okay fine <laughs> and and then she'll just listen to me and that's all it takes yeah <laughs> and it's absolutely fine so don't be afraid to tell people what you need from them whether that's listening whether that's advice whether that's I need to do this could you help me with this um so there's that um I know we've spoken about journaling that can help and actually there's a lot of other charitable organizations out there so even if you just typed in mental health charities um there'll be so many different options that come up you know you've got mind you've got um mental health foundation you've got rethink um so many of these organizations actually have so many different resources on their websites um you know what to do if you're seeking if you need to seek support if you need help they have a variety of different blogs and resources so use these because they are there you know for you to actually use them they're there to you know for, for information to be provided um on our Lionheart website we also have a resource a mental health resource pack that sits on our website yeah so if you go to lionheart.org.uk under the john o'halloran tab we've got um an option which says resources and there's some resources that we've put together there that can be used as well yep. so they're just um some of the ways i would just say actually you know don't be ashamed don't be embarrassed there is information there is um, support available and although that first step may be difficult just know that it gets easier and and that you will have um a lot of support available um, and I know that we spoke about the stat that one in four people have mental illness in a in, in a year, but four in four people have mental health. Yeah. So one in four will experience mental illness, but four in four people have mental health. And so it's something that we have to make a priority to look after our well-being. And it's absolutely fine to do that. Yeah. What a great sentiment to close this podcast on. Parita, thank you for coming. Thank you, is... Thank you for inviting me. It was it was a pleasure and it was it was absolutely great to speak to you again. Oh, I loved it. Thank <laughs> you so much. I'm gonna put Thanks. all of Lionheart's details in the show notes below this podcast. Make sure you check them out. Thank you so much for coming and listening to this podcast today. If you want to find out any more about me, head on over to www.ncrealestate.co.uk. Remember, you need to get on that waiting list for the Members Club because it is opening soon. I can't wait for you to see it. And those on the waiting list, again, some special bonuses coming your way. And thank you for listening this far. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.